Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 245 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today, we're going to discuss the Second Circuit's decision affirming the dismissal of FCPA counts uh, and convictions against an Alstom executive. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome from Sicily. Still here. Uh, gorgeous time of year in Sicily right now. Thanks for joining me today. I uh, wanted to take a look at this uh, court case. Uh, it's an important court case, but uh, a few just general observations. Uh, to me, the case showed a little bit more of uh, court hostility towards the FCPA statute or the uh, sometimes the um, application of it and uh, seems to me like this was an issue that can be resolved through legislation uh, amending the FCPA uh, but nonetheless I felt like the uh, the court strained a little bit to uh, reach this determination uh, as a, and I'll talk about it in a minute um, basically uh, the Hoskins this is a case against Lawrence Hoskins a former Alston executive who was involved and convicted for his participation in a bribery scheme uh, to secure a $118 million energy contract in Indonesia. And uh, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed the district judge's post-conviction dismissal of the FCPA counts. Now, Hoskins was still convicted of several money laundering counts and ended up serving 15 months in jail and uh, served the sentence and uh, was returned then to uh, the UK where he lives. So it's had a long and tortuous path, this case. Many of the cases against the executives involved in this, uh, they pled guilty, uh, several of the executives, and testified at the trial. Um, and the Second Circuit's decision was not unanimous. It was decided by a two-to-one majority and ended with a dissent uh, that I thought raised some very good questions uh, about the majority's decision. Um, I always remember a law school uh, professor of mine who said, uh, who cares what uh, nine people in the Supreme Court think? Uh, they're just a bunch of lawyers wearing robes. and uh, so here the majority decision appeared to reflect a certain preordained decision uh, searching for legal and factual arguments to support the resolution. Uh, and I thought the dissent actually presented a more cogent and more defensible position on this. Uh, there was a technical issue involved, and we'll get into that. But uh, here's a quick review of the events leading to the decision. Alstom's uh, U.S. subsidiary hired two consultants basically to bribe Indonesian officials to secure the $118 million power contract. Uh, 
Hoskins did not work for the U.S. subsidiary. He worked for Alstom's U.K. subsidiary, and he selected the consultants and authorized the payments to them. Now, initially, Alstom was charged in U.S. federal court in Connecticut. Hoskins is not a U.S. citizen, was not employed by Alstom's U.S. subsidiary, and never entered the U.S. when working on the scheme. In other words, there's a jurisdictional provision that if you uh, are in the U.S. during part of the time uh, that you participate in the scheme, then they have jurisdiction over you. The U.S. argued, however, that Hoskins was a co-conspirator uh, or accomplice to the U.S. subsidiary's FCPA violation. Now, that position was appealed, and the Second Circuit rejected the U.S. theory of liability, ruling that Hoskins, as an accomplice or co-conspirator, could not be liable for a crime that he was incapable of committing as a principal. In other words, because he wasn't the U.S. citizen, because he wasn't a U.S. subsidiary employee, and because he was not in the United States the way uh, that he needed to be for purposes of creating liability, he could not conspire with a group of people who did satisfy that uh, requirement. In other words, because he himself could not be a principal. Now, that was a very close decision as well. Uh, and after the Second Circuit's initial ruling, DOJ prosecutors then went to trial against Hoskins on the theory that Hoskins acted as an agent of a domestic concern. And domestic concern is a term that's used in the FCPA. And in this case, it would be as an agent for Alstom's U.S. subsidiary. The jury then convicted Hoskins of 11 counts. And frankly, they ran a pretty, uh, the defense they ran was pretty uh, ludicrous in the sense that they sort of admitted to the crime, uh, but uh, just sort of, uh, you know, went on the agent issue, whether or not he was an agent. And seven of the, uh, he was, so he was convicted after the, at the end of the, the trial on 11 counts, seven of which were FCPA violations, and four of which were money laundering counts. Um, and the jury specifically, I mean, they didn't write it down, it wasn't a specific finding, but they clearly rejected the defense arguments that Hoskins was not an agent of a domestic, a domestic concern under the FCPA statute. After after that occurred, the trial judge dismissed the FCPA convictions against Hoskins, finding that there was insufficient evidence for a reasonable juror to find that Hoskins acted as an agent of a domestic concern. The judge then sentenced Hoskins to 15 months in jail. The U.S. government then appealed the uh, decision by the trial judge. Now, what's amazing about this whole mess is that it took nearly nine years uh, to resolve this case, and uh, that's because of the first appeal that went up on the issue of co-conspirator liability, and now we have a second decision that went up, a second appeal that went up after the judge um, dismissed these counts. Uh, and then there were cross appeals filed by the defendant as to various rulings which uh, were affirmed by the Second Circuit, uh, as well as uh, this more important ruling, which was uh, the insufficiency of the evidence to sustain the jury's guilty verdicts.
on the seven FCPA counts. So, I mean, it comes down to a technical issue, and I'm going to go through the technical issue in a minute. This could easily have been, uh, you know, this could easily be resolved by amending the statute just to make it clear that it extends to uh, behavior or conduct that occurs outside the United States uh, by someone who nonetheless may not be prosecutable in the United States or to amend the term agent as it's used of a domestic concern. Now, a lot of cases are brought against agents, uh, third parties uh, in particular, obviously. So in a split decision, the decision came down two to one. The Second Circuit affirmed the trial judge's uh, dismissal of the uh, guilty verdicts on the seven FCPA counts. And the issue boiled down to whether there was adequate evidence that Hoskins acted as an agent of Alstom's U.S. subsidiary. And in reaching its decision, the majority found that under well-established common law principles applicable to principal agency relationships, Alstom's U.S. subsidiary had insufficient authority over Hoskins and his activities to support the conclusion that Hoskins was an agent of Alstom's U.S. subsidiary. Now, the dissent here questioned why DOJ, in its appeal, agreed to apply principal agency common law uh, in analyzing this issue rather than looking at the statutory terms and whether or not uh, Congress's intent was to exceed the principal agency common law in the use of the term uh, agent here. But uh, the U.S. Um, conceded that point. Uh, I don't know that it really had that much of a difference. I think that it just set up different hoops for the uh, majority to get through. Uh, the majority wanted this result. Uh, and uh, it's clear that they were going to do that no matter what. Uh, now, Hoskins, remember, was employed by a different Alstom subsidiary, which provided global support to all of Alstom subsidiaries around the globe. So it was a U.K. company, a U.K. subsidiary, that supported and interacted with all of the Alstom companies, including the U.S. Uh, subsidiary. And the court cited the absence of any evidence that any of the primary actors in the conspiracy actually controlled, is the term they used, Hoskins' actions. Further, the court noted that the co-conspirators in the U.S. did not have the ability to fire Hoskins, set or alter his compensation, and therefore lack the fundamental element of a principal agency relationship, which is the ability to hire and terminate an agency, agent working on a principal's behalf. Now, I mean, that sounds strong, that sounds good, but the dissent, however, which was, uh, I thought, uh, the better argument, challenged the majority's rationale. First, the dissent noted that Hoskins was given the authority to hire and fire the specific consultants used to pay the bribes to Indonesian officials and to negotiate the terms of their compensation. So Hoskins' authority to set these terms was specifically under his control and his authority of Alstom's U.S. subsidiary, suggesting that, in fact, there was an agency relationship. In other words, he was acting on behalf of the U.S. subsidiary when he, um, you know, negotiated the terms of their contracts, the compensation, and, in fact, arranged uh, the entire agency relationship. 
So therefore, there was an agency relationship, the argument goes, between Alstom's U.S. subsidiary and Hoskins, given his role and his global role in terms of uh, setting all of this up. Second, the dissent noted that Alstom's U.S. subsidiary revoked, in part, Hoskins' authority over the hiring of consultants when it instructed him not to hire a specific consultant being considered for the bribery scheme. Again, in practice, he was acting on behalf or under the direction of the subsidiary because his organization uh, provided support to all of the Alstom subsidiaries, including the U.S. subsidiary. And finally, the dissent noted that Hoskins' organization was charged with supporting all the other international sectors, including the U.S. subsidiary, when requested to do so. And in this case, Alstom's U.S. subsidiary requested that Hoskins assist in the hiring and payment of the consultants. So while the jury found sufficient evidence of a principal agency arrangement and rejected the defense claims, the district court and the appellate majority uh, clearly appeared destined to reverse the FCPA conviction, convictions. And this was based upon the theoretical point that um, apparently the U.S. subsidiary could not terminate or hire or fire Hoskins himself, and therefore he wasn't an agent. In other words, they couldn't control the terms of his uh, employment, and therefore he was not an agent. Uh, and the dissent sort of responds to that argument by saying, look, there's sufficient evidence here which can be inferred from some of the other issues that they controlled uh, with regard to his um, uh, interactions uh, and actions on behalf uh, of the organization to uh, hire these agents, terminate these agents, uh, set their compensation, and whatnot. So, do I think this is an earth-shattering case? No, but I do think that this is a case that um, you know indicates more some of the judicial hostility on uh, on prosecutions uh, under the FCPA and the far reach of it. And I think uh, if you know Congress can address this issue easily uh, to make sure that uh, this was uh, this issue never comes up again. But I think it's rare that these issues come up on appeal, uh, uh, given that oftentimes a lot of these uh, individuals plead guilty, cooperate, uh, and for them to take all the effort to sort of challenge the case, go through a trial, appeal it, and hope that you win, uh, doesn't happen that often in the FCPA area. Anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, episode. And uh, have a great week and talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliant services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Dallas, got a soft machine, Houston. 
close to New Orleans, New York has a ways and means and just won't let you be. Thank you. 